welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Mike, and welcome to episode 39 of the OCR Underground Show, and I'm excited to be back. It has been way too long since I put a podcast out. Uh, my apologies. It's been a little bit crazy. My last race was actually out in Hawaii doing the trifecta weekend, which was awesome. I'll get a little bit into that. Uh, fortunately, out there, my wife ended up getting sick, and then I thought I was in the clear, but I get back home, and then I get sick. And, I mean, who gets sick in the summertime it's just terrible so i've been dealing with that finally better now and and rolling again and then just no excuse i i've been trying to get this together and it hasn't been happening so i'm happy to be recording again and getting another awesome episode out to you guys so thanks for tuning in and i won't disappoint with another awesome episode uh well so hawaii was awesome i want to talk briefly about that we're going to have the full race recap in our next episode um but this was my first trifecta weekend and uh, it, it was a ton of fun. The beast was pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. Um, that took us about a little over five hours to get through. My wife and I ran it together. And we've done a beast together. The last one we did took just over three hours. So this this was a little, a little brutal. The hills and the heat and the humidity all <clears throat> took its toll on us. So it was a great course, though. I mean, beautiful. You're in Hawaii. So you just look around anytime that you're, you're feeling like, quitting or giving up and it's like this is you it could be a lot worse so a, a beautiful course out there at the ranch and um the the scenery was awesome i mean you're running through where they filmed like jurassic park and godzilla so you get to see like the dinosaur bones as you run by right before you get to the twister and uh some other really cool stuff so uh like i said next week will be the full race recap but a couple things i do want to bring up that i thought were at least interesting to note um the the z wall was on a hill and it's just something i wasn't expecting and i saw a lot of people failing it right off the bat and if you just take the time and you can see since it's on a hill one side was going to be slanted and you would basically be holding yourself up the whole time like you're going to fall backwards but if you went on the other side it was actually pretty easy the the uh, uh blind turn was pretty far and that was a challenge but other than that if you if you just pick the right side it was really, really simple, but it was on a hill, and I just never seen that before. Uh, same with, I don't remember if it was the seven-foot wall or the eight-foot wall, but that seemed to be leaning a little bit and kind of at the top of a slow hill as well, so really tough to get a running start there. You had to really have a good uh, a good jump to get up to even touch the top of that wall, so I thought that was pretty, pretty challenging as well, just something a little bit different. And uh, one new obstacle, at least that I remember, was a, a, just a different tire carry. So basically you throw not, not the heavy tire flip, but just a, um, a bigger than a normal tire, just having to hold that kind of over your head uh, on your shoulders or like a deadlift walk and just kind of carry that around. So uh, that was new. But the, the carrying obstacles were, were pretty challenging. The bucket carry I thought was one of the toughest ones I've done in a while, and it could just be because of the sweat. Uh, I mean, the, the bucket just was slipping the entire time, it felt like. And to have to do it three times wasn't super fun. But <laughs> um, And the sandbag, too, was, was pretty brutal. They went back to the old-style sandbags, like the pancakes, and uh, up and down hills, and you thought you were finished, and then they took you right back up a hill again. So pretty challenging. But it was really cool being able to do... Uh, the obstacles, not all of them three times, but many of them we got to do three times back to back. So you really got to play around with it, try new things. And uh, one I, I was curious to play around with was the twister because I know that's one people are really struggling with. So I wanted to try it a few different ways to see what was the easiest way. And I definitely made some discoveries that I, I'm going to put uh, something together probably for next episode and just uh, talk a little bit more about my thoughts on the Twister. Hopefully that'll help you guys get through there, but you'll have to stay tuned there. Um, but overall, it was a great time. I don't know if my wife is going to be up for the trifecta weekend again for a little while at least. I think she kind of has to forget about this one before I can convince her to sign up for another one. But if you've never done it, it is an awesome challenge. It's great. Just be careful. Take care of your body. Make sure you fuel properly and, and really focus on that recovery. Um, 
Speaking of recovery, I do want to take a second to thank our sponsors, uh, who both of which I did use for my recovery for the Hawaii Trifecta Weekend, and that is Designer Protein. Check out all their different protein products and other products at designerprotein.com. That was my protein of choice to help me recover from uh, all three races. Don't forget, use the code SDPREMIER20 and get 20% off your entire order there. And also another tool I was using was uh, some of the Mobilitas products. Uh, check out all of their mobility tools at yourjointsshouldnthurt.com. Uh, definitely helps with uh, active recovery, clearing out some of that lactic acid and other metabolic buildup after a, a workout or a tough race, and then helping you prep for a workout, improving mobility, decreasing the density of that muscle tissue, and, and all that good stuff. So yourjointsshouldnthurt.com and use code MENSHEALTH for 10% off. And uh, also you can check out the links uh, uh, to our sponsors and any of the links mentioned in the show at our show notes just go to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 39 i have a couple events coming up that i want to share with you guys i know i have a couple trainers and coaches listening in on here uh in september on september 9th i will be out in las vegas holding a workshop for coaches and trainers on functional fitness i'm going to put uh, the details in the show notes and you can check out what the uh, different topics we're going to talk about there but it's pretty much everything pertaining to improving function and perform uh, improving performance on september 16th i'm going to be in connecticut on the camp uh, campus of yukon where i went to school to do a uh, the kyle milliken memorial run i talked about kyle uh, a few episodes ago, who was um, a teammate of mine, who was a Navy SEAL, unfortunately tragically killed uh, a few months ago, and we are going to be doing a five-mile run on the campus of UConn and to uh, support his fundraiser, his family, and uh, it should be a great time, and um, I'm looking forward to meeting with a lot of teammates who I haven't seen in a couple years, so it should be a fun little party afterwards. Again, I'll put some links in the show notes if you happen to be on the East Coast and want to join us for a fun five-mile run at the uh, on campus at UConn, we'd love for you to join us. Or if you want to donate, I'll also put a link in there to uh, for anything, even a dollar to help out his family would be greatly appreciated. And then uh, the next day on the 17th, I will be at the uh, Spartan Vermont Beast, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I, I've been training hard for this race, but I'm curious how all that training, if it's really going to matter, if I'm going to be uh, meeting up with all my old teammates, I'm sure that's going to be a late night before and then getting up early to drive to Vermont should be interesting, but um, it, it's going to be fun too. And I can't, can't wait for all that. So just some upcoming events. And again, check out the show notes for all the details on all of those at ocrunderground.com episode 39. But let's get into this week's episode. As usual, I have another great lineup for you. Up first is Coach CJ, CJ Wagner with MisfitStrength.com, and he gives us the race recap for the time trial that Spartan had in Austin, and I'm really excited about this race, and it just sounds really cool. I haven't had the chance to do it yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to uh, testing it out somewhere. Definitely a, a unique Spartan experience, but Coach CJ, uh, CJ explains a little bit more about the race and how to properly prepare for it, and Coach CJ is actually in based out of Houston, so just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers out to everybody in Houston. And um, again, I'll, I'll put a, a link in the show notes if you want to donate to help any of the families that are going through the storms in Houston. I'm sure anything would be incredibly helpful. Uh, moving on, though, in our research review, I'm going to talk about some really interesting research on swollen knees and how if you have some swelling going on on your knees, you might want to think twice about working out, even if it's just some slight swelling. So really interesting stuff there. And then finally, in our coach's corner, I have on, I should say back on, SGX coach Joseph Bautista with Fusion Fit Training, and we changed subjects a little bit here. It's not just something, uh, not something that we normally talk about on this show, but I thought was really important, and we talk all about uh, kids and actually youth fitness and youth sports and how uh, OCR, like Spartan Kids and other Spartan races, or other OCR races are involving more kids, and it is kind of that non-traditional um, fitness outlet or sport outlet that has really given us uh, more opportunity for kids to partake in physical activity, especially if they're not into some of those traditional sports like baseball, basketball, or football, or whatever. And this might be a great outlet for them. But with that, we want to have some responsibility on, are we pushing kids too hard? Are we are we progressing them at the right weight, uh, or at the right um, 
exercise program and are we doing the right thing with these kids and just how to get them more active but more importantly keep them safe and so they can really learn from from these different experiences so uh, definitely off our normal topics but really important I think that we talk about this being a parent it's something I'm really concerned with and I know a lot of you out there have kids or work with kids and this is something I really think you're going to enjoy so we we talk uh, about a, a ranking system that he uses and a great progressive uh, progression system to tell when kids are ready and, and to show them how they're progressing and moving on and and really all things youth sports and youth fitness related so I, I think you guys are going to dig this one so let's get into this week's episode OCR Underground, thank you again for having me for the special time trial race recap for the Austin weekend. Man, this is something completely different that Spartan has done. It was awesome. It was tough, very fast, very quick, 0.6 miles, eight obstacles in there, very little room for error. So doing the 30 burpees for a failed obstacle and said you only have to do 15, keep the course going really fast, really quick. Uh, not a lot of time in between these obstacles, so you don't really have a lot of time to recoup, rest, and get ready for that next obstacle. You're done with that obstacle, you're right on to the next one. Uh, we had waves of no more than 10 people going at it. If As soon as you got in, you were given your wave. The sooner you got there, the sooner you could race. So I got there a little late. So I was in one of the later waves, which is good, and so that way it got me some time to stretch. I was able to warm up. Uh, if you do not stretch, if you do not warm up before these races, you're doing disservice to yourself. Guys, even the time trials, you need to stretch and warm up. So as soon as we take off, this was the longest stretch of the course without an obstacle. 100, 200 meters. Just to show you how quick everything starts coming up. We get to the over, under, through. Then they put the sandbags from the actual race into the near the festival area and made it a nice little sandbag course. Nothing too long. Guys had to carry two bags. Ladies, they had to carry the one male bag. Go around, drop it off. Normally you see people either just like fast walking it or just walking. It's time trial. We were going hard, so we were all moving very fast through that sandbag carry. As soon as that sandbag's down, you run right to Olympus, go on through it. And tip for Olympus for anybody who hasn't yet got it, make sure you keep your ankles in line with your knees. Sink back and just relax your arms. Let your body do the work. And stick with one thing or the other. Don't go switching chain to hole to the mountain peg. Just stick with one. I like to stick with the holes. That helps me. You find which one works for you. And you stick with that one. As soon as you get done with that. You go right into the monkey bar. Right from the monkey bar to the tire flip. I totally commend Spartan for actually making this tire flip a lot harder. Getting heavier tires. In the time trial, we only had to do two flips, and I knew that next day after the rain, those four flips were not going to be easy. As soon as the tire flip's done, we actually went right into the last three obstacles from the super and the sprint course. Anybody who did that, you know it was the Hercules hoist, followed by the multi-rig, followed by the rope climb. Now, not as hard as when you're actually running and you got some time to recoup from everything before. You got done with those tire flips, you go right from a pulling motion going down to a pulling motion, pulling something up. Different monster. So as soon as the course was cleared, everyone was off, and we had all our times in. They had the top 10 male and the top female go at it in one last wave. Where the winners, they got a trophy rack. So this is... This was an amazing experience, and I am so glad that I was able to be a part of the actual first Spartan time trial. Uh, hopefully, they have more of these. I know that they have another one planned, and hopefully, these become more common. Maybe we can see them in the future. And definitely a tip for anybody who wants to do these things. You want to go fast 
intense short burst of run and then put a little lift in there. Burpees for this one, they're, they're not going to cut it. You're going to need something where you're going to be pulling your body weight, maybe do some pull-ups or deadlifts. Maybe if you, don't, if you don't have a tire to flip, do some deadlifts. So that is my tip for anybody wanting to do the Spartan time trial. OCR Underground, again, thank you for having me, Mike. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again. And I'll see you out there on the course. All right, thank you, CJ, for the race recap. And I do want to give CJ a shout-out. He actually was a beast out in Hawaii and finished the Ultra Trifecta weekend. And uh, after finishing the Trifecta weekend, I have a whole new respect for finishing another lap of that beast. That Sure, that was brutal. And for everyone else that finished that that brutal race, congrats to you. Um, that's, that's awesome. And hopefully I'll be able to get my belt buckle shortly. But uh, moving on to our research review, as I mentioned in the intro, I want to talk about knee swelling. And I'm sure this is something that everybody's experienced. You know, you have an injury and a little bit of swelling in the knee, and maybe it's not so bad, not too much pain, but you decide to push through and do your workout anyway. And sometimes you regret it. Sometimes maybe it's not a big deal. But I at least wanted to share a couple of research studies on swelling of the knee specifically. And the first one from the Journal of Athletic Training looked at four different situations. So they had a normal knee, a painful knee, uh, swelling where they actually injected 60 milliliters of a saline solution and then swelling and pain and they actually induced the pain with with an injection so I know not a kind of a, a torture type uh, study but um, so everything was kind of induced in the lab where um, with the pain and the swelling so it was kind of artificial but still there was swelling occurring in the knee and there there's actually a ton of research to back up that there is a significant decrease in quad activation when there is swelling of the knee. And, you know, depending on where you look, it could be as little as a 10 or, or even or 30 milliliters and up to 60 milliliters. Those are typically the numbers that you, you will see. So they use 60 milliliters of a solution in this, this study. And uh, what they found was no surprise was that the highest quad activation when, when they did a knee extension exercise was found in those with the normal knee. So it had no pain or no swelling. Uh, they found significant decrease in activation in all other three method or uh, other three groups, where the, those that had a painful knee, those that had swelling, and those that had swelling and pain. But the interesting thing was they didn't find a big difference between uh, swelling and pain. So uh, when there was just swelling but no pain, there was the same amount of decrease in activation as when there was pain. So sometimes we only really change things when we're in pain, but even a little bit of swelling and you're not in pain is going to significantly reduce that quad activation. Uh, another study I wanted to bring up was the American Journal, American Journal of Sports Medicine. And here they took three groups. Uh, one was the control group, so no injection, just a normal knee. The second group, they used thir a 30 milliliter solution. And the third group, they did a 60 milliliter solution uh, to simulate that swelling and then they have them perform single leg drop landing so like jumping off of something and then landing on one leg and they wanted to look at well what, what were the forces and the impact of when there was swelling and uh, so similar uh, in all in both injection groups the low injection and the high injection they found there was a significant decrease in quad activation compared to the normal group or the control group and uh, they did find larger issues in biomechanic changes with the larger injection. So with that 60 milliliters, so with a little bit more swelling, they found that there was higher ground uh, reaction force when they were landing, and they were also in greater knee extension. So it was actually changing the angle that they land, so their leg was a little bit straighter. So just imagine if you're jumping off of something, and if we kind of exaggerate it, and you land with your legs totally straight, how that would feel. Uh, so what they found from this study was swelling of the knee, whether it was a, a low swelling or a high swelling, uh, led to uh, higher forces being transferred to the actual knee joint and off of the muscles surrounding the knee. But that's, that's what we want. When we land, we want the muscle surrounding the joint to absorb the force, not just the joint itself and all of those passive restraints like the connective tissue and ligaments and the tendons um, uh, holding that joint together. So when the quads are inhibited, we see an increase in that ground reaction force. So whether you're running or jumping over walls and landing or box jumps, whatever it might be, just a little bit of swelling leads to uh, that decreased quad activation, which means the knee is going to be a little bit less stable, a little bit more force is going through there, which may lead to pain down the road. 
So this is such a big deal because when your quad is inhibited or meaning you can't contract it to its full potential and you have some swelling in that knee and you push through it, you might be starting to change things. You might start start to change the way you run, the way you squat, the way you lunge, or the way you're just walking around. So uh, by doing too much with that swollen knee, you might start to develop bad habits that are going to lead to issues later on down the road. So just, just something to be aware of. Um, so like I said, there's tons of research showing that after knee surgeries or just uh, injuries um, uh, to the knee where there is swelling after that injury, it leads to significant inhibition or, or decreased activation of the quadricep muscles, uh, mainly due to neurological responses. But there's a few different reasons why that might happen. But the main thing is that it, it does happen. And there's even uh, more research showing that sometimes after those uh, injuries, that it leads to uh, a decrease in activation on the uninvolved leg, which is really interesting. So you might hurt your right leg, but you actually see a decrease in quad activation on the left side because the nervous system's all working together and you're reducing the neural drive to one side and it's going to affect the other side as well. So the main points here are when you have that swelling, just be mindful. Even if it doesn't hurt so bad, it might be leading to uh, other issues that can affect your performance um, and perfect your health. So take care of those joints. Uh, you know, if, if we need to take some time off, that's okay. Let that swelling go away. If you need to do rehab or therapy, might be the right fit for you. And then once it's all good to go again, you can hit those workouts hard again. All right, guys, welcome to our coaches interview, and I have a former guest back on. We have Joseph Bautista from Fusion Fit Training, and I mentioned the last time he was on, and I'll put a link in the show notes from our last interview, but we're going to talk about something different this time. I wanted to get him back on because he has a true passion for, for working with kids and getting kids more involved in not just traditional sports, but just the movement. And, you know, we have a problem of childhood obesity out there and we need kids more active. So this, I'll admit, is not an area of expertise for me. So I had to bring in another expert uh, to really help fill us in on this this problem. But Joseph, how are you doing today? Hey, Mike, I am so, so glad to be back. Thank you for having me back, brother. I'm good. My pleasure. And, you know, it's a long time coming. And I know um, after we first talked, we, we kept mentioning we need to do this again. And, and now timing finally worked. And we got you back on here. And like I said, you know, uh, kids sports and youth sports and youth fitness and PE programs, it's kind of an issue today. And there's there's problems. And um, I, I think this is just such a relevant topic, and I know we have a lot of parents listening in on this show that uh, are probably excited to hear this topic. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of the things that we're going to talk about here. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. You know, I'm it, working with children became a passion of mine, not just because of the fact that you know seeing them grow and become better fuels me to want to learn more about how to help them, but you know, I'm a father as well. I have an awesome eight-year-old Spartan daughter who, when I threw her into the race, she said, can I do it again? <laughs> I didn't have to I didn't have to fuel her into saying, do you want to do another one? She asked, can I do it again? And I don't mean another race. She wanted to do a second lap. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have a five-year-old, and last year was his first race. And I remember, and it, this is my fault, you know, I, I love Spartan races and I love obstacle course races. And I grew up with the traditional sports. Like I was big into baseball and, and football and basketball and did and track in college and all, all the traditional things. And I loved it and I don't regret anything about it. And that's, that's always what I knew in terms of sport and fitness, I guess I'll say. So when I saw the kids race, you know, it looked fun, but I, for some reason, didn't think my son would really be into it. And then we took him to a race. We didn't sign him up because we were just like, let's just see what he says. And I just kind of didn't think he would be into it. He immediately was just like, I need to do that. So we're like, okay, let's go. And I've never seen him that excited before at the start line when they're doing their little cheer and he's just jumping up and down. And he was actually ready to take a nap right before the, they went off. And then all of a sudden he snapped out of it and... He, he just loved it. So every time we go, he, he just can't wait to do another one. Well, you know, uh, one of the factors on that is as a parent, we don't really get a chance to see a standardized opportunity for measuring our child's fitness. You, general physical education in schools right now, it's too hard to measure every child. Uh, some schools have anywhere from 50, 60 
kids in a single PE period, you give at least one minute to one child and you're you're, you're, you depreciate the time for the other children, let alone if you go two minutes with one child, now you're losing it from another one. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't have anything to really measure. So when Spartan brings these kids races out, we don't have a lot of things to compare whether they would like it or not, with the exception of, you know, contact sports like football and uh, soccer and even the mixed martial arts. Those are contact sports one on one, you know, you, people cr clashing into each other they don't really convey a person's individual drive. Exactly. And, and going back to PE, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of what you see now is a lot of PE programs are dropped. And um, we've actually actually at our studio, we'll have a couple um, parents come in that are trying to find PE credits for their kids, either one, because the program's dropped or two, like you were saying, you know, maybe they're not into PE in the traditional sense and they feel left out and they're not getting any physical activity because they don't they're not into baseball they're not into basketball or doing any of those things and then they're kind of the outcast and they need to find other ways to to be active and i thought you know this this is exactly what you're talking about here well there's uh there's also a scary flip side to our physical education and it's it's really the demand of discipline uh how can a physical education instructor discipline uh, a child in a public school system. System. You know, we do see a lot of parents uh, bringing their kids to stru structured and standardized sports because there's a sense of discipline or that hierarchy that uh, that directs the child into following direction for a purpose. Uh, when when you have a Spartan or Spartan kids and their Spartan races. They're they're really kind of pushing the discipline on themselves. I got to get to this next obstacle. Oh, these kids are next to me. Okay, I want to get ahead of this kid with my, but I got to hurry and put these bands on in order to do that. And so they're kind of instilling a certain self discipline in that, and we lose that in our physical education because you can't. They are those those kids can't be disciplined. Mm -hmm. And what is demanded of physical education slash the area of fitness that really incurs the big end result is a sense of discipline. Awesome. Awesome. So let, let's get into this topic a little more and talk about um, failure, because one one thing with with traditional sports, that that competitive nature and when you lose, you know, how devastating that can be or or just how about not even making a team and, and then what? And, you know, what kind of lessons are we are we leading or, or teaching our kids when we when we talk about failure or what approach do you think we should take? You know, um, and yeah, of course, this is a Spartan uh, Spartan podcast, uh, but one of the things that is more beneficial with our Spartan races for kids as well is there's multiple opportunities in a single race for them to fail, but there's also multiple opportunities in a single race for them to be successful. And so then they're able to measure the values of their failure towards the next success and then vice versa. And then they have that juggling act. Whereas in standardized sports, such as baseball or football, there's only a one shot winner or loser. And that really can, can hinder a person's ability to accept failure as a sense of learning. Like that acron old acronym, fail, first attempt in learning. Mm -hmm. it, you know, our kids don't get a chance to, to really va uh, measure that value on that because they go into these sports where it's win or lose. Or uh, I'm going to use a nice uh, uh, reference to a favorite, favorite character I like to listen to. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Bobby, nice. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that really correlates for our kids is there's that medal at the end of the race. Uh, now, there's a lot of thing, a lot of uh, other organizations that people have a, a little kind of a, a question mark above it is, should a person get a participation award? Uh, now, every kid that, com that competes in a Spartan race, whether they're competing against the other kids or against themselves, they're getting that medal not for participating. They're getting that medal for completion, for facing failures, for dominating their success, and from starting something and finishing it no matter what was in front of them. That's what they're getting out of it. Doing a simple one-mile course, that takes a great feat. Yeah, you know, these kids start something and they finish. But there's no there's not a lot of obstructions or 
challenges in front of them aside from the one that they have to measure. We're challenging these kids to be critical in their thought process from here's the start, here's the finish. If you make it to the finish, you get a medal. But you also have to face this, then this, then this, then this. Oh, throw a spear, follow direction. And and by the way, parents, get out of the way. Let them learn <laughs> throughout yeah. this entire process. They're getting that medal because they accomplished something on their own. Yeah, and I, I, that's such a good a good topic that you bring up. And, you know, probably a little controversial with, you know, the idea of that participation award and what are we teaching kids. But you know, we can see how hypocritical it can be when people participate, in, you know, adults in a Spartan race or a 5K or a marathon or whatever it is, and every participant gets a medal, uh, you know, assuming you finish. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, people will go crazy for these medals. It's like, I want that medal. You know, I earned it. But to say, well, every kid shouldn't get a, a, a trophy or a medal for participating. You know, they didn't win anything. And it's like, well, they won a ton. Maybe they didn't have the highest score, but they... Maybe they were really scared to get in that batter's box or really scared to do this Spartan race or whatever it was, and they did it, and they overcame it, and they absolutely deserve something. You know, As you get older, that's when you can say, all right, only first through third gets medals or prizes or whatever, but that's your decision if you're going to go to those higher levels. But um, I just find it hypocritical sometimes when, when we see people kind of bashing the whole participation award, but it's, you know, you might excel at something, but some of these kids that's really hard for them to do. Well, it's the value of, like you just said, of the award. If it's for participation, it diminishes the value. But if it's for completing things that, completing something that had challenges overall, and you measure those challenges, just like you said with that, you know, fear of a ball coming at you in a batter's box, that's not necessarily a participation award. That's an award for completing and facing your fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 just how how the award itself is me- is measured and given upon that measurement. That's where the biggest value is. Uh, uh, teaching that value of uh, of award for measurement. Now, that's a great one. For instance, um, my group of kids that I have uh, racing, the, and, and it's a good, decent-sized group, uh, They we measure them off of a program that's a standardized fitness program. And the levels themselves, pretty similar to like a martial arts belt ranking, those levels help them develop with measurable goals. And yes, some of them don't meet it all the time. But when they don't meet it all the time, they know what they need to work on in order to push towards that, so to speak, award that they're going to get that they have to earn. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times it's especially for kids. Well, I I shouldn't say that adults are this way as well. But having that end goal and for some people, it is that that shiny metal or 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 belt or whatever it might be, that is a nice motivator to help push somebody and to keep them accountable. Um, so there's that aspect of it as well, where this is just pushing them to get to the next step. And, yeah. and they have that reward when they, when they accomplish whatever they needed to do. Totally, totally. So uh, there's a program that uh, I use. Uh, it's called Fit Ranks. It has two levels. One is for adults, and the other one is Fit Ranks for kids. Both have two different spectrums that measure the uh, the individual groups to have attainable and manageable goals that you can reuse as a measurement. For an example, when I have people coming into me getting ready for a sprint, my goal is to have them level up into the uh, into about a level three or a level four that way i know they're going to be comfortable at successfully completing a wide range of obstacles at a single race that same thing correlates with the kids when i sign our kids up for our races whether they're in the uh the young ones the the juniors uh or the you know the two mile race i'm measuring them based upon what their current training fitness level is and i have a standardized test in this fitness in the fit ranks program that gets them ready and allows me to know what these kids should sign up for so what i'm doing for is i'm not setting them up for success i'm setting them up to meet obstacles that they can either accomplish by their own ability from that level or be have that opportunity to face what is truly inside them. Are they mentally ready to accomplish this? That's where that measurement comes from. 
That's awesome. This sounds like a really cool program. Uh, I'm just curious. Do you have like an example maybe for kids specifically? Like, what what would be some standardized testing that they would or or goals that they would have to do to hit like a a level like an e, uh, earlier level like a level one or or two? Well, everybody starts at level zero. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter where they're. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at level one, our our kids have to do a, a flexed arm hang. Now, how many kids do we know that really don't get a chance to hang on things anymore? As we get into adults from being a child, because everyone, every one of us adults were child at one time, we've, we don't hang anymore. And then we hit these things called monkey bars and we look at it like a monkey doing a math problem. <laughs> but we look at these kids and there's a lot of kids, especially with our physical education de- uh, de- depreciating, that they can barely do a hang, let alone bend their arms. So they would start off with a four second arm hang flexed, meaning their arms are bent. Then they would do a plank position on their knees. So we develop them in stages. We don't just throw the book at them with random exercises. The test is progressive. They do a plank on their elbows and their knees and they're establishing uh, an understanding of what a position should mean. Then we have them do push-ups, where it's a strength-based exercise that they have to focus on setting a certain number. So let's say like boys have to do uh, eight reps from the knees on the push-ups. Girls as well, they have to do eight reps. And then we go into the cardiovascular conditioning piece of the test, which is a half-mile run. And not just the mile, but a half-mile run. Mm-hmm. And they have to complete it in a certain amount of time. That's awesome. And then each level is just going to get progressively harder or maybe adding new movements and things like that. Well, by that point, they'll be adapting to it, not just from, you know, the fact of doing the test, but also some of them are getting taller, their leg, their legs are getting longer, uh, some of them are getting a little more stronger, some of them are now participating in other sports where they've increased their athletic efficiency. So they're able to get more, they're able to do more of the demands that are on the higher levels. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, because um, one thing with kids, like like you're saying, like kids are going to develop at different stages, not necessarily reflective of their age, but this seems like a perfect way to almost level the playing field. So you might have, um, you know, an eight-year-old who might just be a little bit more advanced and can do things that maybe a 10-year-old can and or vice versa, you know, so this will make sure they're training at the appropriate level, not just necessarily, hey, all eight-year-olds are here, all six-year-olds are over here, or whatever it might be. Exactly. And it gives them something to measure off of. You know, you got two kids in the uh, in your group and one is a level three and one is a level four. You got that level three going, man, I was so close to my level four. What do I need to do? The level four is like, oh, well, it just took this and this and they're just working together. Now they're interacting in an environment that is fitness and exercise oriented based. They're communicating with each other on that knowledge as well. So that what that's doing is that's inspiring them to be more Co, uh, cognizant of what they do with their body for exercise, but also cognizant on how to exercise their body and then meet those demands to the next level. Awesome. So I, I have to ask you a, a little bit specific about the workouts. So um, with adults, you know, when I'm training my clients, I'm obviously trying to make it fun, but it's, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say it's fun in the sense that a kid would have fun. Uh, so I have to imagine that there has to be that element to training or, or youth fitness where it has to be fun or there's going to be no engagement and no participation. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. We'll sometimes play a game of like push-up freeze tag. Oh, the kids actually like that one. I, I haven't figured out why. Uh, <laughs> they, they like the push-up freeze tag. So you tag the person and the pers- uh, and then when the person gets frozen, they've got to they've hold a push-up position halfway down. And so now they're kind of engaging with each other, like, hurry up, unfreeze me, unfreeze me, hurry up. So they're engaged, but I'm still preparing them for their next level test. It's it's pretty cool that taking some of these exercises that we take for granted uh, are, are really great developmental tools. For instance, and if you get this opportunity to, and I'm going to send this one out to the parents that are listening, I want you to take 10 minutes out of your day, just 10 minutes out of one of your days, and I want you to go play tag with your kid for 10 minutes. That's going to be the best cardio you've ever done, and you're going to get more more road time on your feet, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something as simple that is fun. But it's incurring the demand that they need for cardiovascular strength. But yet, as an adult, when we do it, we're just like, "Woo!" Oh yeah, that was hard. And 
it, it's a lot better than running one mile because some people are get they get bored with one running one mile. But go play tag for ten minutes. You do enough movement in playing tag for ten minutes. That's the equivalent of a ten to nine minute mile. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's totally true. And I can remember when I was in college and I was a, a jumper, and the last thing I wanted to do was run. You know, not even a mile. And I remember we we uh, were in off season and we run out to this big field in the front of campus, and the coach was basically like, "All right, we're gonna play tag." And we're all just like, this is going to be stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, why are we doing this? And then it's like, go. And then, then it's like, well, now it's pride. I don't want to get tagged. So you're sprinting around, you're, you're working your agility, you're cutting, you're moving, and then you're laughing, which is you know the best part. And we're just running around like crazy, looking, looking like crazy people in the middle of campus. But I have no idea how far we ran, but I'm sure it was way longer than I would ever just go, hey, I'm going to go for a run right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, the Fit Rakes for Kids program is is awesome at keeping that engagement, establishing a discipline, also teaching the fitness as a as the primary focus point. But then what we do is very similar to at the end of a Spartan race. When they complete their test, they're awarded a marker of their level, and we give them a nice little dog tag with the color of their level that they get to wear wherever and whenever they want. Awesome. If they lose it, they're in trouble. <laughs> So, and, and this is all over the country. Yes, program. well, actually, all over the world. There's actually a few Fit Rake studios. There's one in South Africa, another in, uh, I believe, in uh, uh, Australia, and I think we have a, another gentleman in uh, in, New, in England, Wales. Awesome. He's gonna get mad at me if I got it wrong. <laughs> so, perfect. So I'll put a link to uh, this program, and uh, I know we talked earlier, and you said you can look up and find coaches in your area that that do this system so for any parents out there that are looking for some type of program like this um more than likely there's somebody within your your driving distance and yeah and if not you can always reach out to one of them and they're there these are some of the best individuals i've had the courtesy of working with i'm not just pushing a program that that i think is is just a, a fad i'm i'm letting everybody know that this is something that can help everybody by giving a great set of marker goals uh not just i mean i know our subject was mainly kids but this works for everybody in the entire family yeah yeah definitely and probably something they can work together on you know the adults are working for their levels and the kids are working for for theirs um, you know yeah what well, i'm sorry sorry to cut you off one of the things that i think is the greatest gift in my life is being able to share something that I have a passion with, with my daughter. Yeah. You know, if you have something that you can share, share with your family member, that is also a new experience for you. You both are sharing that experience. And I think that is the biggest driving force behind why Spartan parents that have kids that want to do Spartan race is because as a Spartan parent, it's always a new experience for you. And as a Spartan kid, you're sharing this new experience that your parent is sharing. And while the both of you are sharing this experience, that creates a bond that that, that can't be created as if you just taught something yeah. to them. Yeah, exactly. And then you get to hang your medals together, wear your T-shirts together, and, and all that fun stuff that come with it. And, and that's what really drives them to keep racing. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, one other thing I, I really want to get your opinion on, um, I have a pretty strong opinion about this with, with youth sports and, um, I, I just wanted to see what you thought, um, because the, the nice thing with, with, with these kids Spartan races and for adults as well, but it is, it, it varies. There's lots of different components that you need to be good at, you know, if you want to be successful at these. And I think the problem we see with many youth sports is early specialization, Right where you see baseball programs that are going year round for eight year olds and ten year olds, and where where kids are just playing one sport, whether it be football, soccer, basketball, whatever, um, and that's all they do year round. And there's no real off season anymore. And then you know it, it's rare. You'll have like when we see like the Little League World Series on TV, you see these studs and these kids and what they can do, but it's rare at least as far as i know that you you know if you're really hoping they make it to the pros which is obviously a very small chance you don't really see many of these kids that were just studs make it into the pros because one they burn out because that's all they've been doing or two they, they're hurt because at an early age because they've just have beat up their body too soon and they weren't prepared for all of this demand that the body needs 
And, you know, I've always been a big believer, believer if you want to be athletic and you want to do sports, you should be a multi-sport athlete. Even if, you know, baseball, for example, is your main sport, you know, doing something like a Spartan race and training for that is going to be so beneficial because you're going to crawl and you're going to run and you're going to jump and you're going to pick things up and you're going to do all these other movements that you won't see in in baseball or whatever sport we're talking about. And I just want to get your your thoughts on that topic. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty loaded question. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let, there's there's two strong studies on both sides. Uh, multi-sport has the ability for, to teach the athlete to uh, accommodate any circumstance and situation that is presented to them. Singular sport develops the opportunity for that 10,000 hour skill mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, let's touch up on uh, the single sport first. Um, the 10,000 hour sport mastery, uh, and if, if anybody, if, if, you, if you're not referenced to that, uh, you become successful at something or a master at something after you've completed 10,000 hours at that one thing. Yeah, and so granted, starting at an early age, that likelihood of the individual getting to that 10,000 hours is easier and more feasible if it's one directed. Now, the problem with that is we run into the circumstances that, yes, uh, diminished passion, diminished drive, uh, over, over, overreaching, overusage, uh, and that can happen as early as in the first year let alone the fact of the, the focus becomes that single sport. Um, as much as I, I, I feel the same way as other, other, any other parent, we believe our kids are the next prodigy. And unfortunately, it does, sometimes it doesn't come until later the reality that they're not that much of a prodigy as we would like them to be. Um, that's a hard pill for a lot of parents to swallow. Uh, and getting to that point uh, sometimes it's more of a push until you make it or break it retrospect the becoming a well-rounded athlete in multiple sports it allows the individual to face multiple scenarios with a wider sense of patterns to recognize and overcome now my opinion stands is that if you decide to be singular in the sport don't be don't have the individual be singular in ability. So in retrospect, kind of agreeing with you that we should have an individual be more amiable at doing multiple things at demand of the body like a Spartan race does. And that would allow them to think outside the box with multiple patterns that they can reiterate back into that single sport. So I would basically probably say that I play on both sides of the field of that answer, mm-hmm. but the second side of being a multi-sport athlete should complement the single sport athlete. Cool. Yeah, and that makes that makes total sense. Um, well, I know we're, we're coming to close to the end of this call. Um, I just wanted to get some practical stuff uh, from you to maybe give some tips or advice to some of the parents out there that, let's say, um, maybe you just want your kids to be active, and I think that's a fair assumption for most parents out there, whether they're playing sports or just going to the playground or in the backyard, whatever. And let's say you want to get them more active and maybe do a, a Spartan race. What are maybe some tips you would give the parents to at least get started if, if their kids have never seen or been exposed to something like this? What what are some kind of first steps leading up to it? First one is enthusiasm. You know, you've got to be positive about and excited about them doing something. Second don't be afraid to just be their cheerleader. The greatest thing you can ever do for your child and to empower them is to sit down, shut up, and root them on. And by shut up, I mean don't tell them what to do. There's a reason why, even if they're not doing a Spartan race, if they're playing baseball, if they're playing football, let the coaches coach. Let the instructors instruct. You root them on and you tell them everything that they did right. The coach is there to help them get better off of what needs improvement. You're there to have the greatest position in their life, and that's to be their number one fan. And third, practice what you want from them. If you want your child to do more, you do more. If you want your child to eat right, you eat right. If you want your child to have a positive outlook on life, you have to be the positive outlook and have that on in life as well. If you go into every Monday saying back to the grind, when they turn of age, they're going to think the same way. Our children will do more of what they see from us than what we tell them to do. 
Awesome. Awesome. So just reminding us to be, be the role model. You know, we're, we're parents. We have to be that role model. And if we're not living that lifestyle we want our kids to live, then it's going to be, you know, hard to, to get them to embrace these different ideas. Yeah. And, and be their cheerleader. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's a big one. It, it can be hard, uh, I'm sure. And, um, you know, not, n- not putting your two cents in, but, you know, th- like you said earlier, this sports or, or activities, all these different things should be a learning experience. And sometimes they need to learn it on their own and figure things out or, you know, have some guidance from the coach. And then you just being that positive reinforcement that, you know, you, you did great win, lose, whatever you, you did what you, you could do. And, and that's all we can really ask. So that's awesome stuff. Well, thanks, man. I, I, any, any bit of information I can ever share. I'm just a, I'm just a practitioner in this world learning as much as I, I share. So teach once, learn twice. Yeah, definitely. And I'll put uh, all your contact info uh, into the show notes, but if, if anybody wants to reach out to you is uh, where, where should they find you? Facebook? Yeah, you can find me at Facebook at Joseph Batista SGX. Uh, right now, there's a really cool picture of me hanging sideways doing a flag. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, otherwise, you can find me uh, via email at fusionfittraining.com. I'm sorry. Yeah, fusionfittraining.com. Send that straight, and I'll be able to respond to you, and I can help any of you with obstacle prep uh, from a distance, obstacle prep where I'm doing clinics. Uh, and I do, uh, I do go out to other places and do clinics for them as well. If you're a, if you're a local facility and you need help, let me know. I can come out and help you build a clinic and help build your team and build people to come and uh, see what your team can do. Awesome, awesome. So I'll put all that in the in the show notes. And uh, coach, thank you so much for coming on again. I think this is a topic that just doesn't get talked about a whole lot. But you know, kids are our future, and and we need them to be active and confident and feeling like they can they can take on the world because they're going to be taking it over soon yeah we you know if we want to be spartans and have a spartan world we got to make spartans Exactly. (laughs) all right well i'm sure we'll get you back on here in the in the near future so i'm looking forward to chatting with you again anytime uh i love i love being on the underground as as many times as i can this is the place to be. This is where everybody needs to be listening. The advice is here. You guys, Mike Diebler is doing the best job at reaching out to the coaches and getting you guys the information you need. Stay tuned. The next interview is probably going to be even more packed full of information that's going to make you conquer the course. <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate it. Aru. Aru. All right, well, that's it. That will do it for episode 39 of the OCR Underground Show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and a big thanks to our guest, Coach CJ Wagner, for giving us the race read recap for the Austin Spartan time trial, and Coach Joseph Bautista from Fusion Fit Training, and really giving us uh, some great insight on youth sports, youth training, and getting these kids involved in as much as we can to help them learn and, and grow. And also a big thanks to our sponsors, Mobilitas, for all of your mobility needs. Check out yourjointshouldnthurt.com and Designer Protein for any uh, protein needs, whether whey or plant-based, go to designerprotein.com. And definitely check out these show notes for any links mentioned in this episode at www.ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 39. All right, well, that's it. You guys keep training smart and I will see you next time.